Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. Our mission is to help couples develop biblically healthy marriages through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. We desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. I recently was helping to build a deck with a landing, a large platform about 11 feet off the ground, all coupled together with stairs. Now to complicate matters, there were phone lines about four feet from power lines in the ground where we needed to dig and eventually pour concrete support pylons. We measured and measured and finally dug the holes and started to cut the lumber. And when the deck was done, it wasn't square. It was structurally sound, but to the eye, (laughs) clearly things were off. When David and I got engaged, when we decided to get married, we were hoping for a certain outcome. Yeah, there was a picture we had in mind. There was dimensions. There was things that would fit on top of each other and stack and build. And, and we knew what the final answer would look like. Now we just needed to bring all those parts and pieces together to get the desired sum. It's like that deck. Oftentimes we think, if only we could get this one part right, everything else would be built upon it. And that's not wrong. But every part and piece has to come together Mathematically, it has to work in order to have a deck that is built true, that's built square, and that's built sturdy. In your marriage, you might be thinking that your communication is the biggest part of the marriage equation. It's what looks like it has been broken down. It's what looks like it's, it's off a little bit. If you could just get it right, everything else would build on top of it, and it would fall in its place. Now, God's word speaks 120 times on the topic of the tongue. We can't have a great marriage and get where we want to go in this relationship without addressing what and how we communicate. But never forget, communication is only part of the equation. Like any good algebra problem, we have to solve what's in the parentheses in order to solve the whole problem. So today in this episode... We're going to hone in on this factor, the communication factor. By listening and applying what you hear today, you're taking steps to get your marriage healthy again. That's awesome. So thank you for listening to Vows to Keep Radio, the show where you get sound biblical counsel you can apply immediately to your marriage. We're your hosts. We're David and Tracy Sellers of Vows to Keep. We're biblical marriage counselors, authors, teachers, podcast hosts, radio hosts, and conference speakers. And if you want to get back to being on fire for your spouse and for God, we're so glad you're here today. Right now, in the social media world, short videos are the thing. An hour of your day can be sucked away by watching home security cameras capture of cats fighting on the back deck or someone falling on their front porch. Trust me, I've been there, done that. Cameras have made their way into our houses, too. I watched one today of a little boy. He was dancing with a broom in the kitchen. All of a sudden, He smacks into the refrigerator and his mom calls from the other room. Hey, are you okay? Did you walk into something? The boy answers, no, not realizing he was caught on camera. I don't need to know if your ever move is being recorded in your house, but I wonder if it was what I would see, what you would see. When we record Vows to Keep Radio, a lot of what we say 
We've thought about in advance. We've written notes down so we can spend our 25 minutes with you in the wisest way possible. We want to make the best use of our time with you, your time, because we know these 25 minutes are precious. But you are choosing to listen as closely as you can so you can invest in your marriage. We thank you for making your marriage a priority. You are making vows to keep. A lot of podcasts out there are the opposite. Two people, they're behind a mic, they're talking about a subject, and it's only afterwards that they use software to turn their audio into a show transcript. The conversations you are having with your husband, they're not being transcribed and published, but what if they were? What would we read? Tracy, I feel like the question we're really asking our listeners to evaluate is what is the sum of the conversations in your household? You know, the ones that happen sometimes in front of your kids, sometimes behind closed doors, at the dinner table, in the car, in the parking lot, where both of you are coming into church. How about the conversations that you have over the phone or even what you're texting? If we were to take each conversation and use it to create a conversation equation, what would the sum be? What I'm talking about is an honest evaluation of all the factors of your communication equation. You see, an honest evaluation of the communication equation in your marriage will help you make changes so that you can see not only how you're getting to that sum, but what exactly needs to change. We're going to be looking at in, this, in these two categories is the what you're talking about, what you should not be talking about, and the mode of how you are talking or maybe how you shouldn't be talking. So what are you talking about and how are you saying it? Over the course of a marriage, of course, the what changes depending on what stage we're in. What you talk about when you are dating is going to differ than what you talk about when you're empty nesters. Or if you've got little kids in the house, your conversations are going to be different if you are a retired couple. These things definitely do steer what needs to be talked about, but please listen closely. They should never limit us in what God is asking us to talk about or how to talk about them. I think most of us let our circumstances become the boundary by which we determine our communication. It's how we determine our offensive and defensive language with each other. Each one of these stages in our lives can loom really large in our day-to-day lives, so much so that our conversations really do end up revolving around logistics and just personal desires. This is especially true, Tracy, when things aren't going awesome between us. It feels like it's easier to focus on the details, you know, the kids' schedule, what the weather's going to be like. In the moment, it seems like less stress than actually addressing the elephant that's in the room, the problem that's between us. And so we don't talk about what we need to because there's unforgiveness or just the simple fact that we are worn out from chasing the kids all day long. Whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, we tend to cut out the conversations that really matter, the ones we need to be having. Now, we mentioned earlier that God teaches us 120 times in his word how to talk to each other, but I rarely consider what is it that he wants us to talk about. As parents, the directive is pretty clear cut. Look at Deuteronomy 6 with me. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is a model for how we should be speaking to our children. This passage is saying, like, listen, the sum of the conversations with your kids, they need to include me as God. We're to talk about God being the one and only true God. How to love him with everything we are. How to follow his commands wholeheartedly. How to understand and then set up his word as an authority in our home and lives. This sum should drive how we discipline and how we disciple. The model is to repeat truth to our kids again and again. It's by how we live matching what we say. It's a great scripture, but honestly, it seems a little unfair, doesn't it? That I can't find anywhere in the Bible that says, when you're with your wife, when you're with your husband, make sure you talk about this. When your husband is discouraged, this is what to say. Where do we see that? What's the marriage model? How do we make our communication equation work if we don't know what we should be talking about? At first glance, I can see how that could be very frustrating. Why can't there just be a whole book in the Bible dedicated to marriage, something God created and surely wants us to be successful at? I think it's because God's word is not a Google search. Sure, we have concordances. Many godly people have written amazing and helpful commentaries. We can cross-reference verses to help us understand what God is saying to us, all great things. But be careful of treating the Bible like a search engine. It's really more like a novel, a love story. Sure, you could just read one paragraph from one chapter of a great novel and get a glimpse of the plot or insight into a character or read some really great dialogue. But unless you read from the prologue to the very end, you're going to miss what the author wants to convey. And I say this as an author, trust me, we want you to read from beginning to end. You'll never experience the highs and lows that the characters go through, the nuances of language that put you in the middle of the story, how the plot is woven to bring two lovers together again. You'll miss the beauty. The author knows that one paragraph won't change you, and that's why they wrote the book in the first place, so you could grow. God is the author here. He put the whole of Scripture together just as he intended. He didn't make a mistake. There's not a missing book. I believe his objective for giving us the Bible is so that we can know him, know his love, accept it, and obey him so that we become a character in the story, so that you are the one that's most changed, so that his story will continue on as you live your life more and more a changed person because of what he wrote for you to read. So don't shortcut scripture in your life, and please don't miss this point. The whole of scripture will teach you what you and your spouse need to be talking about. And if your spouse won't talk to you, then the Bible is going to teach you what you should be saying to them, even if they don't respond the way you want them to. So where do we start? Well, that's a good question. (laughs) We've only got 25 minutes, and the Bible has 31,000 verses in it. Yeah, I I Googled that. I, I guess I don't know if that's the exact number, but what I do know is that God wrote the Bible to communicate with us. 
his bride, the church. And where he started with us was where we stand in relation to him. The first thing God cares about is our eternity. Is your spouse a Christian? And if they're not, that has to be where your conversations start frequently. Why? Because, first of all, their heart before the Lord should concern you more than anything else. And having the goal in mind to bring them to Christ will change the way that you speak to them. You have one of two positions in your spouse's life. You are either evangelizing them, letting yourself be used by God to help your spouse want to say yes to God's pursuit of them, or you're discipling them, letting yourself be used by God to help them to want to become more like their Savior. You need to know which of those roles you're in because it will change the components of your communication equation drastically. Trace, you talked about that camera in the home. (laughs) Does the video coverage of your marriage show that you really know your role? Because most of our videos, most of the transcripts would reveal that we haven't given this a lot of thought. We're surging through our day with an agenda at the forefront of our minds. And when our expectations aren't met, our spouse becomes an obstacle. And the sum of that equals impatience and smoldering silence, sarcasm. Pot shots, accusations. It's where all the misunderstandings start stacking up. It's where retaliation and lying and deceit begin to take seed. Ephesians chapter 4 and 2 Timothy 3, even Colossians chapter 2, show us this grand total of what comes naturally to us in our sinful nature. It highlights anger, frustration, annoyance, people belittling, gossip, slander, selfish ambition it speaks of bitterness and rage harsh words lying even foul and abusive language man some of this hits close to home when i think about the conversations that have been in our home even a couple of these mixed into our communication as a couple man you're gonna see that the sum of all this is a great form of division it's distance It's isolation. It's unforgiveness. It's the death of the friendship of your marriage. If this sounds like your marriage, can you take some time this week to look at Galatians 5? I want this to be a wake-up call to pay attention to our hearts. Because if we're led by sinful desires, according to verse 5, we will turn against each other. And you might already be seeing that happening in your marriage. But if we wake up and we purposefully decide Today, I'm going to walk according to your word, God. Guess what? You're going to see a different sum. One of love, of joy, of peace, of kindness, of goodness and faithfulness. Scripture is so awesome, isn't it? But really, that passage is not the only place in Scripture that schools us in our relational math. I ran across 1 Peter 3 this week, and I really want to share it with you for just a minute. These five verses. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. This is talking about that communication equation. It says, on the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. 
For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is the sum you're looking for, right? You want to love life and see good days in your marriage. If that's true, then you can't ignore that the add-ins, the factors of your communication equation are going to come into play. Your new add-ins will be made up of keeping your tongue from evil, your lips from deceitful speech, and to that the Bible teaches you to add, turn from evil, do good. These aren't just words that sound good. In our marriage, we are called to seek peace with our spouse. And I would translate that as pursuing peace. That means I'm actively doing something about it. I'm not just going to naturally keep my tongue from evil toward David. I have to engage with where the spirit is working, saying no to what I would naturally want to say in reaction to an annoying situation or when he does something I don't like. And honestly, this is going to feel odd and weird for a while. Your flesh is going to want to do the opposite of what God asks. And the devil is going to lie to you and tell you it's better if you do it your way. He'll convince you to use your words as weapons or at very least a means to get what you want out of the situation. So let it feel awkward for a while. That is okay. Go to scripture repeatedly and read passages like we talked about earlier. We talked about Galatians 5, but also look at Ephesians 4, Colossians 2, and others like Philippians 2 and all over Proverbs. You're going to see the things God says need to be in your equation to get the sum that he has for you. And here's just a couple of them for you. Something to mull over and think about and then put into practice. He says, build up your spouse, encourage, forgive, honor, love, serve, admonish, speak truth, exhort, show compassion in what you say, use gracious words, kind words, words full of mercy, speaking the truth in love. And these are just the tip of the life-giving verses that God has richly provided for both you and me. He's setting us up for success, like we mentioned earlier, with the whole of Scripture. But I will say, just personally, that it's passages like these that I turn to when I'm in need of a communication reset. And we all get there, don't we? When I'm not seeing the sum that I long for, loving our married life, I'm not seeing the good days, I can always start in these scriptures to subtract what needs to go and add what's missing. Those will be in the show notes. That is your homework for this week. Go to these passages Write them down. Memorize a few of these verses that stand out to you. Things that God is asking you to change about your communication equation. I want to give you six pro tips to keep the progress moving. Things to check if you feel like, ah, I'm not sure if anything is changing. Number one, if something in your communication equation doesn't belong, you can subtract it immediately and you need to. By asking your spouse for forgiveness. Take it a step further with number two. When you ask them for forgiveness, don't talk about your communication in general as a couple. Tell them you desire to change. That is going to soften their heart. Number three, ask them to pray for you. Even pray with you about the change in your own heart that God has been working on you with. Number four, give them permission to point out to you when you might be unaware that you're headed down an old path. 
Number five, thank them for being patient with you. And number six, be as patient with them as you hope that they would be with you. The changes in your communication in your marriage, and let me just clarify for a second, I mean the changes you are going to make. Despite the lack of change your spouse might bring, your personal decision to do what God's word is asking isn't going to happen overnight, nor is your spouse going to react positively right away. But you can start subtracting the harmful words, the things that tear down and don't build up and replace them with good factors that add up to great communication. You've heard the Great Commission, I'm sure. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Now, let's think about how that applies to our marriages. Your commission in your spouse's life is to first understand if your role is to help them see their need for Jesus, as we talked about, and what he's done for them, to bring them to salvation. And if they're a believer, let the discipleship begin. Jesus says that our commission then is to teach them, to help them to understand how to be obedient and to observe all that God has commanded us to. You might say, my spouse is not going to want to go to my school for godliness. They don't want to hear what I have to say. This directive from Jesus in Matthew 28 is kind of a reflection of what we read earlier from Deuteronomy 6. It's not that every single time we're with our spouse or our kids, we're going to be reciting scripture. If we did that without living what we're saying, we would be like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal like it talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. For example, if your husband is being selfish and pushing for his way, rather than belittling him like maybe you're in the habit of doing, instead you shift into being a generous giver. Like we read in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11, it says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So now you shift gears from being someone who is a critic of your husband to someone who is teaching your husband about generosity. You are showing him what Christ asks us to do and how to obey it. You're discipling him in that moment. Not to show off, not to rub his face in his mistakes, saying, see, this is how you should respond to me next time. Jesus is the ultimate discipler. That's what he did during his ministry on earth. Gently and humbly and boldly, he showed us the way to the Father. He taught us, he reminded us, he admonished us so that we could become his disciples and become disciple makers. We are to disciple just like him. If this seems overwhelming, but you also feel like there are changes that you need to make, but you don't know where to begin, then I encourage you to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. To love God with all of your heart, your soul, and your strength. To talk to your kids about God. To show them God's Father heart of love for them. Obeying God in this one area, in and of itself, is going to change how we as parents or grandparents speak to each other. This is part of your marriage communication model. It's a huge part because you would be hard-pressed to talk this way to your kids or anyone else authentically from an honest heart and then go yell at your husband or belittle your wife. This week, 
let God show you the video recording, the transcript of your conversations. Get an honest, spirit-led look at the factors that make up your communication and commit to God to make the changes needed so that you can love your married life and see good days. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.